How's everybody doing tonight? Good? All right. Man, worship gets me all amped up, so I'm very passionate tonight. Um, right now, what we're going to do is we're getting into our, our second part of the series and the Storytime series. Storytime is something that we'll do uh, here in 4640. We're going to break down like a, a character or um, a really cool Bible story, and we're going to look at different themes and stuff going on. And so last week, I started this series, and it's all over the life of this guy named Moses. Moses, you, I'm sure you guys have heard of him before. He is like pretty epic in the Bible. Um, and we're going to look at a couple stories in Moses' life that aren't exactly in the, the main, mainstream, um, so to speak, tonight. Now, last week, we talked about um, where Moses came from. He was born during the time that Israel was in slavery to the uh, Pharaoh, which is obviously the king of Egypt, um, and they were enslaved there. And basically, Moses tried to rescue a Hebrew um, slave and he killed an Egyptian doing it, so he runs off to the back of the desert. I don't know where the back of the desert is, but that's what it says in the Bible um, that's remote. And so he's there, and then God comes to him in the burning bush. You guys familiar with the burning bush story? Um, so basically what happened is last week we left off uh, with him still talking to God through the burning bush, and God basically saying the, the, the answer to Moses' question, who should I tell the Israelites, you are. What, what should I tell him your name is? And God just says, I am. And that's all he gives him, just I am, which doesn't seem very helpful, but last week we talked about the fact that, that, that God says that he is. So sometimes we pray, for, we pray to God, we're like, how are you gonna make this breakthrough happen for me? Do I need to do this, do I need this? And God's like, don't worry about how, because I am. Like, I am the victory, I am the defeat, I am, I am, I am, I am all the things that you want in heaven. He's basically talking about his presence. And so we're looking um, in, in Moses' story through the lens of friendship, because Moses is considered a friend of God, and he's actually labeled that in the Bible, a friend of God. And some of you might be like already tuning me out a little bit of just like, yes, we're all friends of Jesus. I know I'm a friend of God. But I think it's different when we, we understand that God calls us friend, but when we call us a friend of God. See, that makes it a little bit different. Like I, I like to imagine as God gets his iPhone out and he opens up his messages and you know, the, the people that you text the most always stay at the top of your streams, right? Like it's always at the top. And so I feel like God like whips out his iPhone and it's like JC, right? My son right there at the top maybe or, or the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, um, whatever, he, you know, he has. It. And then, he, then on, right underneath those two, it's like Willie B, which is me, right? Will Britt right there, all right? That, that's what I'm talking about, friend of God. You know, your, your closest friends are generally those people that are on the top of who you message, all right? Or it's just your mom or dad, all right? But that, those don't count. We're talking friends here. Um, so that's what I'm, I'm trying to illustrate through Moses' life. And so last week we went into, let's look at three different stages of friendship that Moses had with God that we can model in our lives as well. And the first stage is just an introduction and what an introduction Moses had with God, a burning bush, like just lights on fire and starts talking to you. And we, we talked about how if you're in the back of the desert in a and a bush lights on fire, okay. If it starts talking to you, that's weird. If you talk back to that bush, that's weirder, right? Because you're not only alone, but you are talking to a bush that's talking to you, right? And, and I think when people are by themselves for a long time, weird things happen to them, right? Am I right? Weird things happen when you're by yourself for a long time. 
All right, but we get the picture that I want to finish looking at um, tonight about Moses. In Exodus 3, Moses first meets God. And, and Moses, when he first meets him and God introduces who, who he is, God, who he is, and Moses turns his face away, all right, because God's a little intense, okay? Um, especially in the Old Testament, we hear about a lot of really cool things, and Moses is about to a lot of experience, experience a lot of these crazy things, but Moses turns his face away. Now, fast forward to Exodus 33. So that's chapter three. Chapter 33, Moses has this encounter with God where he asks to see God face to face. So something changed. Something changed over those, those 30 chapters that I wanna look at tonight. And there's a lot of stuff in there, so I'm gonna be cruising through things. If you guys aren't familiar with the story of Moses and the plagues and splitting of the Red Sea and all that stuff, please read it. It is nutso, all right? You want a crazy story that really happened, read Exodus. It is pretty, pretty cool. Um, but what I want to do is jump into um, Exodus, Exodus chapter 4. That's where I want to jump into first. And we're still in the place that Moses was like the burning bush is still there. He's still, we haven't ended that scene from last week, but we understood that the first, the first part of this friendship was just an introduction. You introduce yourself to someone else. You don't know if you're gonna be close friends or not, but then comes this next stage. In chapter four, um, he already starts entering into this next stage of friendship with God, and it's still in that same scene. So imagine yourself still in the, in the place with the bush that's on fire. God just told Moses who he is and, and, and also told Moses who Moses is as well. Um, and we're gonna just jump into verse one in chapter four. And it said, and so also God just told Moses that he's gonna rescue everybody out of Egypt because Moses tried to rescue one captive out of Egypt and God says, and, and Moses did a terrible job of it because it's the reason he's in the back of the desert. He had to run away because uh, he, he, he didn't want to be killed for killing an Egyptian. So God says, yeah, you're not, you're not gonna rescue one because you were bad at that. God didn't say that, but th that's why he's there. But you're gonna rescue everybody. So God's, God, God's putting this crazy task on this, this mission, this calling on Moses. And Moses already failed once at it. How many of you guys have failed one time pretty bad? And you just, do you really want to try that thing again if you fail terribly? No, like Moses like was going to have a death sentence. That's failing pretty bad. And God's like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you set all of the captives free, not just one. And so this is Moses' response to that. Moses protested again. What if they don't, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked them, what's in your hand? And so a shepherd's staff, Moses replied. I have no idea if this is how big they were back then, um, but it's the biggest one we have. So I figured let's go for it. We got the room for it. All right, so Moses said, uh, a shepherd's staff. Now, before we get too much into this, I wanna, I wanna look at this a little bit because um, Moses was a shepherd at that point in time. So he already had this in his hand. I think that's very important. It's not that like Moses was given the sacred wand of wisdom and wonder, like from God. It was like, this was the staff that Moses had for like 40 years. Maybe it wasn't 40. I don't know exactly how old the staff was, but he brought it into that place where the burning bush was. And I think that's very, very important because sometimes God wants to, let you know that everything that you need to get to the place that he's calling you, you already have in your hand. Does that make sense? Like sometimes we're trying to reach for something else so that we can get further, 
but God just says, what's in your hand? And so I think that's something, I, don't, I just wanna just quickly stop on that because Moses brought this in himself. And if you guys have heard the story before, Moses and his staff, like they're inseparable the whole time. It's either Moses or his brother Aaron that had the staff and the staff like was, was put in the river when the water turned to blood and all that stuff. Moses' staff was there during the whole time, but it's something that he already had. And so I just challenge you, what do you have in your hand right now? Is it a pencil at school? All right, or a computer? Okay, I know we're not back in my day, but you know, what's, what, what do you have in your hand that you are already equipped with that God is gonna do wonders through? Right, so think about that a little bit. So let's, get, let's jump back into the story. Um, verse three, God says, throw it down on the ground, the Lord said to him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. This is gonna be loud. <laughs> Obviously not metal back then, okay. I guess it could have been, but he threw down the staff and then it turned into a snake and Moses jumped back. Accurate reaction, I think, right? If this thing turned into a snake, I would be out the door. Okay, Kim, you'd be gone. You'd be gone. She hates snakes. I messed with snakes as a kid. I messed with snakes as a kid and it wasn't good. So imagine this thing right when he turned it, right when he threw it down, it turned into a snake. So his obvious reaction is to retreat a little bit. Um, the next verse, verse four says, then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed its tail or grabbed it. Hold on. There was no like... What I think is weird is there wasn't like a in-between sentence of like Moses came to his senses and like listened to what the Lord had said. It's like Moses jumped back and the Lord's like grabbed by its tail. And he's like, okay, <sighs> what? For me, I'm like, like he didn't go and seek prayer for courage to like, like seek the pastor jail. Can you pray over me for courage to grab this snake by its tail? Like I, he didn't have that. He just said, okay. So I feel like there might've been more dialogue, but maybe there wasn't. Moses is a pretty awesome guy. Now, um, the tail is a, is a very significant thing because I don't know how many of you guys are like into snakeology. I don't know what it's called. Shakeology, that's what I'm into currently. But um, I'm losing weight. It's nice. All right. So if you grab a snake by the tail, does anybody know what a snake does? When you grab it by its tail, it panics. Like that's the place that if you grab it by its tail, it's like, oh, heck no. And it's, it's coming back. All right. Now, a lot of, some snakes don't have enough like enough strength to actually come back around and bite the hand that's grabbing them, but they'll bite anything else they can get, all right? If a snake is panicking, you should like always try and keep a snake as calm as possible, I think is the rule when it comes to any snakes. But Moses reached out to grab by the tail. And so then ending verse four, and then as soon as he grabbed it by its tail, it turned back into a staff again. And that is a really, really cool thing. Now, back then, their culture, they knew that you shouldn't grab snakes by the tail. And that's like a common thing. And now you're all educated on don't grab snakes at all. Okay, that's my words. Don't grab snakes at all. And for Moses to reach out, I don't want this anymore. Who wants it? There we go. Okay, it's just large. Okay. For Moses to reach out and grab a snake by its tail, that takes a whole lot of trust. And that's the next stage of relationship with God is trust. And man, did Moses get thrown directly into that? Because why is it such a big deal? It's just a big deal because he responded. He just responded. God said, do something. 
And he was just like, okay. Like, obviously, there's some proof there. Like, there's a burning bush talking, and it's talking back, and it knows you by name, all this weird stuff. But he grabs this snake by the tail, and I got to imagine, I don't know if you guys have seen, like, the different movies and stuff when this is, like, depicted. Like, it's a huge cobra of death. And, and I got to imagine it's got to be a pretty freaky-looking snake. And Moses just responds immediately, and that's the next stage of friendship. Now, in any relationship, trust needs to be established before you can get really close to someone before you can go to closeness. Now, Pastor Joe and I, um, we've had some trust issues in the past um, over many different things. But when I first interviewed here at the church, um, Pastor Jail asked Pastor Joe, like, will, like, do you think you could get along with him? Is that how you phrased it? Um, something like that. Do you think you'd get along with him? And, and Pastor Joe, no, no joke, because Jail told me this story, said, I don't think I could be his friend. That's what Pastor Joe, there he is. Hi, buddy. All right? And so I didn't know that until after we were already good friends. But um, that's just, apparently there's someone called Interview Will that I've never met before, but it's an alter ego of mine. Now, something that really did break Joe and I's trust um, was we had this, we had this hot tub one time in uh, Vertigo. All right? Some of you were in middle school when this happened, and it was pretty terrible. So we... Long story short, we had a hot tub in Vertigo, which is our old student center, just like 4640 is now. It's just smaller, and it was over there. And we had this baptism in there, and Pastor Jail's preaching about baptisms, and we were like, um, like just debunking all the myths that baptism was. And so Pastor Joe was like baptizing me, and I would baptize him, and we were just getting all sorts of full of the Holy Spirit. And um, what happened after, after the, the fact is like we had to get out, and Jail wanted like a, a quieter moment, and us being in the hot tub together is not a quiet moment. Right? And it's just been ridiculous. So we go get out of the hot tub. Well, the floor is wet and it's like an ice rink. And so we're like getting all out. And, and so Joe just tries to be kind of funny. He acts like he's going to carry me off stage. And I, being in the early part of our friendship, was like, I trust you. I trust you. I trust him. I trusted him. So I'm, I, got, I got one leg out of the hot tub and one leg still in the hot tub. And he goes like he's going to do a fireman's carry. And so I put some weight on him. And he's like, I'm not doing this. So I have one leg in, one leg out, and he drops me <laughs> on the edge of the hot tub in front of all these middle schoolers. No joke. And so I immediately curl into a ball and I hit the ground and it's live, like jail's still preaching and I'm in the background writhing in pain. And, and I'm in a ball and I can't extend my legs. And Skylar just drags me off. <laughs> and I called Kim to make sure I didn't need to go to the hospital because that's the last thing I wanted to do that area. Um, but I still have a daughter, so we're solid. <laughs> but, you know, it's all good. It's not, it wasn't all good. It's still not all good. But I'd no longer, like, I forgived him. I forgive you. But I don't trust you to pick me up anymore, right? Trust, trust needs to be earned in these relationships. And when we're thinking about um, God, God's not going to drop you on a hot tub on your area, okay? It's just not, that's not going to happen. But what Moses starts to figure out is that the more that God trusts him with stuff, because how many of you know that like when you get something placed on you by God, that's him trusting you with it. It's not him commanding you to do it. He's not just like, do this and do that and do this and you'll be better if you do that and do that. He's like, hey, I'm gonna trust you with this. And he gives it to you like it's, like it's this, this present. It might even seem like heavy and a little bit of a, a burden from God, but the Bible says that God's burdens are light. 
And, and the truth with all of this is, if, you tr if he trusts you with stuff and you trust him with stuff, you're gonna just start coming together closer and closer. And Moses, time after time after time after time, gets this picture, gets this idea um, about how to trust God more and more. And it started with grabbing a, a terrible snake, in my mind, I don't know how big it was, by the tail, immediately. He immediately responded to God. Now, not every time did he immediately just jump out. Moses sometimes still talked to God and be like, okay, are you seriously trying to tell me that like to, do, to go tell Pharaoh that if I, like if he doesn't let people go, that like hail and fire from heaven is gonna rain on the city? You know, and like, yeah, so he just kept doing it. He kept doing it, he kept doing it, he kept doing it. Um, and, and they ended up getting closer and closer and closer. Now, I'm gonna fast forward these 29 chapters, and we're going to get to 32, okay? So buckle up. <laughs> buckle up. All right, so Moses is 80 years old when he goes to Pharaoh. 80 years old, all right? Old, scrappy dude is what I imagine. All right, old, scrappy guy. He goes into Moses, and then you guys have heard of the plagues, right? All the plagues come on Egypt because Moses goes up to Pharaoh, and he's like, let my people go, or let God's people go. And then Moses is like, no. And he's like, all right, you're going to get a bunch of frogs in your face. All right, and then it's like, and then it goes to frogs, and then there, or there's blood in the water, and then there's frogs, and there's locusts, and darkness, and cattle dying, and gnats, and flies, and hail, and just terribleness. And it ends with God saying, okay, if Pharaoh doesn't let my people go, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill every firstborn, all right? The firstborn is going to die from every Egyptian family. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened. It said his heart was hardened and he didn't let the people go. And so finally that actually happened. The firstborn in Egypt dies. And then Egypt begs Israel to leave. They literally pay Israel to leave. So like the, the women, because y'all love to shop, all right? You do. I do too. But they like go out and they just, they, they, they ask for, for like, gold and clothing. And the Egyptians are like, take it all. Take my stuff. Just leave. Just go. And what was, what's cool about that is like anywhere God's calling you to be, he will provide for it. And he loves letting the enemy flip the bill for it. He loves letting the enemy flip the bill for it. So they go out. Um, God leads them to the Red Sea, and then the Egyptians change their mind, and they go to chase them, but God splits the Red Sea, and then Israel walks across it, and then Pharaoh and all his dudes go in, and then they get completely annihilated by the water. Um, then Moses sings a really awesome song that's super from the heart, okay? I imagine Lord of the Rings status on it. Um, then there's bread from heaven, there's water from a rock, the Ten Commandments are given to Moses, and then uh, God gives the basic instructions for Moses to um, give to the people um, to build God's actual house. He's going to, his presence is going to dwell among his people. Um, and so that's where we're at, Exodus 32, okay? That was like 30 chapters. Now, I want you, or 29 chapters, I want you to know like that is a freaking cool story. So read it, all right? But that's not what I wanna focus on tonight. Moses, long story short, in that time, trusted God again and again and again. Trusted, 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 and God trusted Moses with crazy stuff. Like, Moses, put your staff into the water and it's gonna split an ocean. Okay. <laughs> right? That's trust, 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 trust. All right, so the first, the first stage is introduction burning bush, God says, tells Moses who he is and then says who uh, God is. And then 
we get into, of course, the trust phase. And now in Exodus 32. All right, now Moses goes up on top of a mountain and the mountain of God's called Mount Sinai, all right? And this mountain is like the presence of God is on it. And like how intense, like this, this mountain is so crazy that if anybody else except Moses set foot on it, they could die just walking in the woods, all right? So it's, it's super important that the, Moses went up by himself onto the mountain. And so he's up there for 40 days and 40 nights and God gives him like the 10 commandments. We've heard of that. Um, some other laws as well, as well as how to build the temple of God or the, the tabernacle is what it's called um, and all that. And that's, where we're going to get jump. We're going to jump into this story. Um, in Exodus 32. So Moses has been up on the mountain for a while. It says, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron, which remember, Aaron is Moses' brother. And Aaron is like the head of all the priests. So he's like the Pope guy, so to speak, all right? He's like the, the top, top dog when it comes to pastors back then. And he represents like all of Israel and he has this huge high ranking job and he, he's gonna work in that. So that's who Aaron um, is and he's, he's Moses' uh, brother. So they say, they gather around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us, uh, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happens to this fellow, Moses. I always say, this the fellow, Moses, who brought us here from the land of Egypt. It's like they forgot Moses already. And Aaron's like, that's my brother, man, right? And that's not Aaron's reaction, but it's like, you think they would have remembered this fellow, Moses. Maybe that's just the language, it's just how I read it. Um, so Aaron said, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me, which I think is also interesting because I wonder if everybody had rings because he specified to get all the earrings. It's like, your guys' earrings are fine. You look fabulous. Take your families. Um, <laughs> take your families and bring them to me. All the people took the gold earrings um, or the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and this is important. Aaron molded it. He molded it himself. Molded it into the shape of a calf. All right, baby cow. We're on board. Not like a calf. We're like LeBron James. All right, a calf. All right. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, "Oh, Israel! These are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt." No, those were your earrings once. <laughs> That's what that was. That was in your head. That was in your face. And now it's a calf, and that's what you're saying. You see how ridiculous this is getting? It's getting a little ridiculous. All right? Um, Aaron feels like, I feel like he doesn't even care what happened to his brother. He's like, sure, I'll make, I'll make you something cool. Um, so that happened in the camp. Up on the mountain, this is what God says in verse 7. The Lord told Moses, quick, go down the mountain. Your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, corrupted themselves. How quickly they turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They've melted down gold, made a calf, and they've bowed down and sacrificed to it. And they're saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I love that God says to Moses right here, these are the people you brought out of Egypt. <laughs> and clearly in chapter three, like God says, I'm gonna bring these people out of Egypt. And throughout the rest of the entire Old Testament, it says the, the, people, the, the people that I brought, Israel that I brought. So God is always claiming I until right here. I just think it's funny that like, I guess when you're friends, you can just blame your friends for stuff, <laughs> right? You just blame them. And so Moses said, or God says this to Moses. Um, and then verse nine, then the Lord said, I've seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them. 
if God's saying that, I'm like, I'm out the door, God. You got it, buddy. Like his fierce, fierce anger. I'm like, I just saw him rain fire from, from heaven and all this stuff. Like he's saying, my fierce anger will blaze against them and I will destroy them. And then he says, I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. Now, I want to really look at this deep because this last sentence, and I will, do, I will destroy them, then I will make you Moses into a great nation. That is so much more deep than I've ever given it credit for before I was studying for this tonight. Like, God hangs this bait out in front of Moses. Basically, what God is saying right there is, Moses, I have a new plan. I'm gonna get rid of all of them, and I'm gonna make you awesome. I'm gonna make you like the greatest thing that ever walked to earth. You, through you, I'm gonna make all these promises come true. It's gonna be through you, man. It's all, it, I'm gonna do it through you. And this is where you find out who Moses really is. Because that offer right there is big. That offer was the same offer that, that, that God promised and actually gave to Abraham, was that he's gonna make a mighty nation now out of Moses, like 400 some years later, um, or actually even longer than that. Like, that's crazy. He's gonna, he says he's gonna make Moses a great man. But this is how Moses responds. And this is, this is what a great man, what a great leader, and what a great friend Moses was. Moses, but Moses tried to pacify the Lord his God. Oh Lord, he said, why are you so angry with your own people that you brought from the land of Egypt with such great power and such a strong hand? Moses is like, whoa, 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 whoa. These are your people. <laughs> he doesn't, he's not like, yes, God, I'm so sorry. Make me a great nation. He's like, whoa, whoa, these are my people. These are your people who you brought out. Remember the whole burning bush thing? That was your idea. That wasn't mine. You told me to grab the big giant snake and I did. This is you, buddy, right? Do you see how this is changing right? all of a sudden? Like his, his relationship, his friendship with God is like, like he's, he's kind of calling God out right here. He's, he, he's really having it at him, all right? Um, it's, it's, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. Um, verse 12, Moses goes and says this. Why let the Egyptians say their God rescued them when the evil intention of slaughtering them in the mountain and wiping them from the face of the earth? They turn away from your fierce anger, change your mind about the terrible disaster that you threatened against your people. What Moses is doing right here is he's reminding God that if he does this, his reputation is going to go in the tank. His reputation is going to go downhill. Why would anyone follow you if you bring them out to kill him? That's what Moses is saying. Moses is saying this to God. I mean, He's basically saying like, God, you need to change your attitude, buddy. And I've never said that. Like I've, my parents have said that to me, but I've never said it to my parents. Like, no, sir. I'm like, I've thought about it, but no, I don't. And maybe some of you have, and you probably have a terrible story of what happened to you after that. You don't tell your parent, like, and, and so Moses is basically like saying like, you need, to, you need to change your attitude here. You need to change your attitude. And look what happens in Exodus 32, 14. So the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring on his people. And I believe he changed his mind because it wasn't about the disaster of the people. It was to see if Moses was really in it for himself or was he in this for friendship with God? Was, he, was Moses in this to be great, to be the guy that split the Red Sea? Was Moses in this to be the guy that brought the plagues upon Egypt? Or was he in this just for the presence of the creator of the universe? 
This is one of the most beautiful dialogues between God and Moses. Moses and God saw each other differently. They saw each other very differently right here. There was humility. There was an ability to call each other out. And I'm not telling you to call God out, okay? Be very sure that he calls you friend, I think, before that happens. And I do think that Moses still proves that a level of friendship like this is possible with God. That, that you can be real with God. You can just be real with him because he obviously can handle whatever it is. Now, obviously something changes right here. I want to quickly talk about what happens to Aaron because it's, it's really funny to me. Um, so Moses, from there, God says, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, destroy them. And God sees that Moses is in it, not just for himself, but for God. So Moses goes down the mountain and he's pissed when he sees that everybody's worshiping this golden calf and everything. And he basically, it's crazy what he does. Moses takes the golden calf in this fury, throws it into the fire, burns it, grounds it into powder, and then makes all the people drink it. Like puts it in their water and makes them drink it. What? Like, oh man. And like this one dude made all these people do that. And then he looks at Aaron and he's like, Aaron, what happened? And Aaron's like, I don't know. They just put the gold, gave me the gold and I put it in the fire and poof, out came this calf. And that's not what happened at all. Like Aaron molded the thing. He said, go get the earrings. And he molded it himself. And he's like, yeah, I just threw it in the fire. And then this calf went right out. That was a lamb. But it just came out of there. It says that in the Bible that it didn't say that it went, but it said that Aaron said, it just came out of the fire like that. And there's no actual retribution that is listed here, but Moses is pissed about it for sure. Um, and Aaron stood with Moses during all these crazy things. But in Exodus 33, in verse 7, it talks about what this relationship, now this friendship with Moses looks like. Verse 7, it says, It was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. I want to pause right there, and I want to remember where the introduction with God happened in the back of the desert. And Moses, it was Moses' practice, means he's, he's done this multiple times, to take the tent of meeting, meaning where he's gonna meet with God some distance from the camp, probably because he was a little bit ridiculous, like so frustrated with the people <laughs> at that point in time. But he had an encounter in the back of the desert. And he's not gonna let the noise of society stop him from encountering God. He's not gonna let the noise in, our, in his life and the people stop him. He's not gonna let anything stop him. He's gonna go to that place where he knows that he'll meet God. It says, everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. So whenever Moses went, went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up, stand in the entrance of their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud, which is how God basically led the people. Um, it was a cloud by day and a, a pillar of fire by night. Um, would come down, hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke to Moses. At this point in, in Moses' life, he's, he's hitting these three stages. He, and I believe that God wants to introduce himself in different ways to us all the time. I believe that God wants to trust us with stuff, different stuff all, all the time. So God wants a new introduction, or uh, Moses wants a new introduction with God. He goes and trusts him to, to come to the tent of meeting. And then verse 11 says, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a what? A friend. As one speaks to a friend. 
The rest of this verse talks about how Joshua would remain behind in the tent of meeting. And I believe that is the purpose and that is the reason that Joshua has a book in the Bible named after him. Because he wasn't in it to just to be Moses' assistant. He was in it for the presence of God as well. And that's listed right there. But the third stage of friendship is what I want to call a friendship posture. Uh, you guys understand what posture is, right? Like if your uh, grandmother's like, have good posture, and you have to like sit up straight at the table, right? And you can't put your elbows on the table or anything like that. That's how my grandma was, man. She'd smack us on the lower back, just like, all right. And, and so you have good posture. I think like, you know, my chiropractor always tells me to do that too, and I just never do. But a friendship posture, what I mean by that is that feeling of complete comfortableness to be the real authentic unmasked version of yourself around someone. Like you only can get that around your closest friends. Like my closest friends, Joe, Sean, Kylie, who I grew up with, like these guys, I don't have to put any front up whatsoever. I can be the absolute unrelented real me, right? And, And I think that maybe some of us haven't really experienced that before, but the, the posture, like how you carry yourself around your closest friends, if it's just you, you don't, you're not trying to put a front up. You're not trying to put that up. And Moses has, a, has achieved this with God in such an amazing way because of what, he, what happens next and what he asks. Verse 12 and 33 says, one day Moses said to the Lord, and this is one day, one day, Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have, you have told me, I know you by name, and I look favorably upon you. Verse 14, then the Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. And this is crazy because the promised land is that they, they call the land like flowing with milk and honey, but basically is like, like there are grapes the size of basketballs there, Like the promised land that God promised his chosen kids is full of blessing after blessing after blessing. It's it's a promise of after 430 years of slavery, they're gonna be in this place that is amazing and wonderful. And Moses says, if you're not coming with us, we're not going. Because he had that friendship posture. He had that ability to ask that from God. He had the ability to, to, to say, God, it's about your presence. It's, this is him proving that it's, he's not in it just to get what he wants out of God. Like there's been so many times in my relationship with the Lord, the only reason I was in it at that point in time was so I could get out of sadness. So I could get out of this or that, or so I could get a blessing here or a blessing there. And I've had myself in a place where the only reason that I'm talking to God is just to get something out of it. And Moses is like, I'm not in this for the promise. I'm in this for you. He says that to God. And that is the, the, the complete model of friendship with God. And there's so many times I have to re, 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 can, like, center myself in my motives of meeting with God. And I don't say this to, to shame anybody or anything like that or myself even because I think that this is a level of friendship that like obviously Moses was labeled that and, and there wasn't too many people that, that followed that model even in the, in the entire Bible. But what Moses says after this or what the Lord says to Moses after this, in verse 17, the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you've asked for I look favorably upon you and I know you by name. Moses responded, 
Then show me your glorious presence. The Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. Like, it is, it is nuts. Because the, the, the name Yahweh wasn't even able to be said again because it was so holy in the Old Testament. And for Moses to see God face to face because he asked him, do you see the change from Exodus 3 in the introduction to... <laughs> Sorry, that was very well timed. <laughs> but you see the... the the change in Moses from turning his face away to asking God to look him in the eye. Because back then, and this is the truth even now, that like all of God's glory, like all of the presence of God, if, if we looked God in the face, we would die. Like that, that's how it, it would happen. And so Moses is like, I, wanna, I, I know you so well. I want to see you so bad. All I want is you. And, and the Lord granted his request, but he's like, you can't look me in the face because you'll like pass out and then you'll just be in heaven with me. I need you to do more stuff. And so he passes by Moses, covering Moses' face. Um, and then Moses get, gets to see him like put out the God vibe from behind, basically. He gets to see all the glory from God from behind. Um, and Moses comes down the hill and it says that his face glowed, glowed from the glory of God. And I believe with, without a doubt that I've seen some of you in this room glow from God. From, from seeing him, from being in that, that closeness of presence. And I think it's something else entirely for us to ask, um, to, to see God face to face in different places and areas in our life. And I'll invite someone, Nick or someone, to just, just play some stuff behind me really quick. But I feel like I want to, I want to just have this time where we can just look at where we need to be in our relationships, our friendships with God. Because God calls each and every one of us friend. He calls each and every one of us his sons, his daughters. And he wants, I believe, to just make an introduction with some of us. He wants, I believe, to just trust some of us with something. And I believe, without a shadow of my a doubt in my heart, that God wants to reveal himself to us in different ways. In different ways. And so, if everybody could just, um, just close their eyes. And thinking of just this first stage of friendship, and obviously an introduction, um, an introduction means at some level salvation. But I believe that God wants to introduce himself in different ways to each and every one of us. Recently, I've, I feel like God the Father has introduced himself as the father figure in my life. I feel like Someone in here needs to, needs, needs to feel the, the, the realness of God and even the playfulness of God. And maybe that's your introduction that you need. Some of us in here might be in a place where God is trusting you with something. Maybe it's something that's gonna be happening next year. Maybe it's the it's school year coming up. Maybe it's, you don't know where you're going. You don't know what to do next. And God's like, I wanna trust you with this. And I want you just to just imagine that you already are equipped with something in your hand. Already equipped with it. Whether it's a computer. For me, for a while, it was, it was working at, a, at a, a food service job at a fast food restaurant. And that was, honestly, that was what God trusted me with in that season of life. And I learned very, very valuable things. What is God trusting you with right now? 
what is what does God want to reveal to you? And and this Moses makes the ask, I want to see you, God. And I believe that God speaks to each and every one of us very individually because He wants our personal hearts. It's not a blanket statement of like, here's my goodness. But it is a very personal, personal image or word or feeling that he wants to give you, that he wants to reveal to you because you trusted him and he's trusted you. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for wanting to be our friend. Jesus, for for coming here, for for dying for our sins and, and, and Holy Spirit, for up and, and, and dwelling within us. That we have the, the friend heart of God that beats in our chest. And so, God, I just ask you to bless anyone in this room with the proper introduction for you, God. I ask you to bless people in this room that need to be trusted with something by you or or need to trust you in obedience for something else. And I pray that, Lord, we can just borrow some of that faith that Moses had. And Jesus, you say that we have the the faith of Christ in us, and I pray that we can have that trust in you to to know that we're equipped, to know that you call us by name, to go out and to to just strive and, and do awesome things, not to earn your love or anything like that, God, but because you love us. And Lord, I pray that we can see where we are now, where we're planted now, and we can just be so about the presence of God, your presence, Jesus, your presence, Spirit, your presence, Father, that we're not in this just to get something out of it. We're in it to just know your heart more. So Lord, I just echo Moses' prayer over all of us that, Lord, I don't want to move a muscle unless it's without you. I don't want to move an inch unless it's with your presence, Jesus, in my life with me. Because God, I understand that you are in the promised land right now and you are saying it is good. It is good and it is it is here. And Lord, you're going to walk with us through it and you're not going to leave us. You're not going to abandon us. That's not who you are. So I just, I echo that prayer of Moses. Be with us, the presence of God. And Lord, as we move on this summer, as we, as some of us are going to colleges, some of us are going to other schools, some of us are just going up a grade or starting a new job, I pray that we can just feel your presence in that place and that, that we can just continue to chase after your heart and that Lord we can hear you call us friend of God as well I love you Jesus and I thank you in your heavenly name amen walk it out this week guys the 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 fun prayers to pray are like Jesus what are you trusting me with right now what are you doing in my life right now what's in my hand asking God like I call it quiet time ammo I'm in there, I know know what what kind of shots to fire in my quiet time because I I know what to talk to him about. Like, ask those questions, those dangerous prayers. Jesus, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? And be like, and and be all in. He loves hearing you say, Jesus, I'm in here for your heart. God, I'm in here for your heart. I just want to be with you. 
Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.